And again, happy Father's Day to all of our dads that are here. Uh, it's been fun uh, to celebrate you. And uh, the message is going to go that direction as well. Let me just say again, last night I was able to go around and uh, shoot the bow and arrows and throw some axes at a target. And you can do the same. And let me just uh, highlight, uh, archery is... Uh, Center Shot Ministries is an archery ministry uh, birthed out of CLC. Dan and Phyllis Ennis uh, travel across the country, and it's archery coupled with a devotional time. I learned last night you do not pull this bow back and let it go without an arrow in it, you'll break the bow. But anyways, um, but it's great to be part of. And not only uh, today, a chance to do that by the West Auditorium, if you'd like information, we have the next center shot ministry coming up. Sometimes it's a, it's a day. Sometimes it's several, uh, several evenings like across the several weeks. I'd like to be part of center shot, learn more about it. Go ahead and take a shot of that uh, or text the word arrow to that number. And uh, we'll be happy to include you and give you an update uh, when we have our next center shot opportunity. And of course, who can, uh, who can pass up dad's root beer? All right, it's for dad. And again, ladies, we gave you a candy bar at Mother's Day, so no pouty faces, all right? <laughs> and also throughout the building are some great things. Uh, you'll want to see uh, lead sleds. I remember Jen Davis married Pat Patterson, and as Pat and I were getting acquainted, he said, yeah, I customize motorcycles. Very understated. I had no idea. He's like world famous uh, lead sleds here in Dayton. And so there are some really cool motorcycles. Uh, one out here, uh, the dirt owns, and then as you go this way, uh, there's one by door three, and there's a couple down by door two. Don't miss that. And there's also an amazing hot rod and a 1970 sweet restored vintage VW van. All you baby boomers will feel like you're 20 again if you stand around it. So uh, don't miss that. So as we jump into today's message, the message today is called Four Things Dads Do. And uh, I've been gone. Joyce and I were on vacation the last two weekends. It's nice to be back. Uh, we spent 10 of those days in Florida uh, at our friend Nick's condo that he lets us use every year. Been doing it for 30 years. And so I thought I'd bring you a vacation pick. Uh, this one is Joyce and I on the balcony looking out over the beach. And uh, we had a great time. Uh, there was one day when it rained. It was about a day and a half. The tropical storm went through. We had six inches of rain. That's a lot of rain. Uh, the temperatures dropped, so we were kind of cold. And so we hadn't brought in any jackets. And so we went to the souvenir shop, and we got to buy one, get one sweater and all that kind of stuff, sweatshirt. But anyways, while we're there, the last day, uh, we're sitting on the beach, and this guy comes up to us, and he and his wife both, they're a little older than we were, I, I would guess, and they go, yeah, we've been watching you guys all week long. My daughter watches you. She thinks you're the cutest couple on the beach. I'm like, right? And he proceeds to tell us what we do. You know, yeah, you're creatures of habit. He said, you, we bring these, you bring these chairs out, crack a dawn every day. Then you walk to the end of the island and back, and then you must go up for lunch because you're gone for a while. And then you come back and enjoy the afternoon. You float in that raft. You play in the water. You must go to dinner. And then you come back and you watch the sunset. We're like getting creeped out. Like, you know, he's like. <laughs> and, and he goes, you, you, you might think we're stalking you or something. No, we just get a kick out of watching you. And then, and then it was our last day, right? My, no, my favorite pastime on the beach since the kids were little. It's the cheapest comfort in life. You pay five bucks for one of those inflatable rafts. And I just go out in the Gulf and I just float. Right? And if there's waves, better yet, it's like an ocean massage, right? So it was our last day. So indeed, I was out there a long time. He even says, man, you were on that raft for like two hours today, weren't you? I'm like, this is too much. But anyways, uh, so on our way home, I have to share this, this picture with you. I took this photograph in the airport. Uh, this is me and Joyce. And, aw, don't we look cute? 
the, the thing is, though, if you know us, okay, some people do like matching stuff really well. We are not that couple, okay? <laughs> and so what happened was, uh, like I said, uh, the storm went through. It was buy one, get one sweatshirt. In fact, Joyce said, explain to people, you show that picture, what's going on? So um, Joyce wanted me to make sure you knew she had her sweatshirt on first, Okay. <laughs> And when we got to the airport, I thought, I'll put mine on because it's, it's a little cool here, all right? And if you, if you do matching, that's great. It's just not us. In fact, when we go out, if we happen to walk to the living room and we're both dressed the same, one of us is turning around and changing, okay? <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, but that was us. We had a great time, and now it's uh, great to be back. So when we talk about dads, I want to talk about four things dads do. Dads direct, dads discipline, Dads decide and dads delight, all right? Let's talk about dads direct. Proverbs chapter 4, the first seven verses, is one of my favorite passages in the book of Proverbs. And while we're preaching through the Bible, we're taking a break sort of today, not totally. Um, we're going to deal simply in the book of Proverbs, but there are different kinds of literature in the Bible. There is legal literature, Genesis through Deuteronomy, our books of the law. Uh, and then there is historical literature. You've got things like Joshua, Judges, Kings, Chronicles. You have prophetic literature. We'll be delving into, jumping into that later this year, this summer. Uh, and then you have poetic literature like Psalms and Song of Solomon and wisdom literature like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. So today we're going to do a deeper dive into wisdom literature. We're going to primarily look at the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, who was considered to be the wisest man of his day, uh, and he was the son of King David. And so this passage in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, Hear, O sons, actually, O children, uh, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, he, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth, nor for, do not forsake her wisdom and she will guard you. Love wisdom and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all your acquiring, get understanding. That verse is one of the first verses I memorized. Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to use the Living Bible for my devotions. It's kind of a paraphrase. And uh, in there, I came across that verse, and it says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And it is an admonishment to, to go for that just biblically-based common sense of how life and the world works but also to look for wisdom that comes from God. And James talks about the difference between earthly wisdom and wisdom from above. Those of us who follow after God uh, don't just interpret life at surface face value. We know that there's more behind that, and that's what uh, Solomon is pointing us to. And dads, uh, as I preach this today, um, I have a mug that says world's greatest dad, so I must be. <laughs> no. Um, actually, a million guys have that mug, and the reality is I'm not the greatest dad. I look back now, I've got enough dadding behind me that there are things I would have done differently. Um, but the good thing is I still have plenty ahead of me that I can make course corrections. And so with all of us, I hope that you'll take some thoughts, uh, take them to heart, figure out ways you might maybe modify or change or improve. And when we talk about this dad's direct, they give direction and guidance while we do that with what we say, we do it even more powerfully and convincingly by what we do. 
how we live. And my dad, it was easy to know that uh, the Bible was important to him because I have memories in my mind as I'm speaking of seeing my dad sitting in his recliner reading the Bible, prepping for the class that he taught at our church. Prayer was important to my dad because we prayed at meals, we prayed at family crises and crossroads and blessings uh, when we needed wisdom. And I could also, in high school, I went to bed later than dad did because he got up early to go work at GM. I, at times I would walk by their bedroom and the door was cracked open with that much. I could see him uh, kneeling next to his bed praying before he called it a day. His church was important uh, to him. Our church was important to us. He, he and my mom taught a new Christians class for 25 years. My dad served on the board in many ways. And so people in the church, the body of Christ, we had people from our church over all the time. It, he was very vested. We were very vested in being part of the body of Christ. And so dad gave us guidance and direction just by how he lived. So dads, if we were to ask your kids, what are the most important priorities in your, in your dad's life? What would they say? And it would probably be, be, be patterned after what they've watched more even than what you've said. So dads direct. The second thing dads do is that dads discipline. And when it comes to discipline, remember the, the three F's of discipline. It should be firm, it should be fair, and it should be friendly. When it comes to being firm, if something is wrong, if something is not permissible on Monday at 9 a.m., it's not permissible Friday at 9 p.m. And boy, one of the hardest things about discipline is being consistent day in, day out, all day long, uh, because kids, I think, wake up with a strategy to wear you down. No. But it's firm. Uh, it's fair. The punishment meets the crime. It's not, here's the offense and here's, here's the consequence. Uh, there's a sense of fairness, and it's often best if it's also explained so your child puts two plus two together and gets four. And then it's friendly. Not from the sense that you give it with a smile. And when my dad disciplined me, uh, for the most part, he was old school, and I knew I'd push too far when he started to reach for here, okay? Because a belt was coming off, and I was getting whacked on my backside, and I've been scarred ever since. No, not at all. Um, I'm better for it. Uh, he did it to, to correct me, and I knew that I needed correction, and, and he helped me walk a straight line. So uh, my dad disciplined me, but I never felt like my dad didn't like me because I was getting a spanking. And I felt like dad didn't care about me, that we were no longer friends because I was being disciplined. And so uh, however you discern that with your children, it'd be firm, fair, and friendly in that. And I remember when uh, the one time as I was getting older, I was probably 12 or so, and I, I shot our, our neighbor's window with my BB gun. And dad decided to say, well, how do you think I should discipline you? Oh, I let it go. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I probably need to apologize to the neighbor and pay for the window and get rid of the gun. He said, well, you're going to apologize and you should pay for it, but now let's, let's figure out how to be safer with the BB gun. Yay, Dad. <laughs> so, um, but firm, fair, and friendly. And when we don't do that, there's consequences. Consequences in the way your child lives, an undisciplined child. Uh, in uh, Proverbs 3.12 says, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. The fact that you discipline your kids and you correct your kids is a reflection that you love them and that you value them, not that you don't. And we see a horrible example of a dad who did not discipline his kids. And it's maybe a bit surprising, but David, King David, a man for God's own heart, this shows that righteous men can mess up as well. Uh, he had, near the end of his life, 
when he was handing off the kingdom, his plan was to hand it off to Solomon, uh, the son of Bathsheba, and he would be king in his place. Two of his other sons by other wives tried to, because it malted, they were polygamous back then, uh, two of his other sons tried to take the throne. Absalom tried to lead a revolt, uh, and that came to a tragic end, as did Adonijah, who also tried to overthrow his own father's kingdom. And there's interesting commentary in Kings that we see about David's parenting that then doesn't surprise us when his son Adonijah was the, the epitome of rebellion. It says in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6, his father, meaning David, had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done so? Never challenged him. Never pushed back. Never corrected his son or disciplined him. And when that happens, that son begins to believe that they are the center of the universe. Parents, dads, one of the worst things you could do is give your child the impression that they're the center of the universe because they're not. And uh, he was also a very handsome man. That didn't help any. And he was born after Absalom. He had conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, that's David's military man, and with Abiathar, the priest. And following Adonijah, they helped him. His own son led a military coup against his father because he'd never disciplined him, never put boundaries there. This idea of discipline and that parents discipline their kids, dads discipline their children, is consistent all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. This verse isn't on the screen, but in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the author is actually trying to argue for the deity of Christ. And in that, he brings in this assumed perspective of parenting and fatherhood. He says, God, in chapter 12, God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so we may share his holiness." All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Can I get an amen to all the recipients of parental discipline? Amen, right? Seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So dads, do your part in a firm, fair, and friendly way in helping your kids understand authority because there is a, a, a responsibility that's implicit in the word father or dad Jesus, when he taught us how to pray and address God, he said, our Father who art in heaven. And so we have this heavenly Father, and good news, bad news, we learn about the meaning of Father, the feel of Father from an earthly father. For those of us who have a good relationship, a good memory of our dad, when we say our Father who art in heaven, I think of a father who, is, who provides, who's caring, who's forgiving, who's kind, and so I can make that transition very easily. For those of you whom your earthly father was not good, then it's a much more difficult switch to talk about an earthly father and then to have those endearing feelings toward a heavenly father. So dads, do your part to model for your kids the kind of love, the kind of value, the kind of care. And for those of you that have uh, a strong-willed child, in fact, regardless, if you're looking for resources, James Dobson, while he is uh, retired from Focus on the Family, is an absolute genius when it comes to families and raising children. And there is a book called The New Dare to Discipline, uh, because he wrote one before that, 
Google that or go to Amazon, buy that, parents, if you need help and discipline. And if you're one of those parents, one of those dads, you've got a strong-willed child, and boy, every day is a new battle. Um, he wrote a book called The Strong-Willed Child. And uh, he made a statement in there as a strong-willed child, parent of a strong-willed child, have the perspective, the Lord gave me this challenging child for a purpose. He wants me to mold and shape them and prepare them uh, for a life of service to God. And so James Dobson, great resource when it comes to discipline. So dads direct, dads discipline. Uh, dads also decide. Now this decision is not a direct parenting decision, but it has huge parental implications. And uh, it's reflected in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. It says, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons, his children after him. Dads, make a decision. Make it early. Make it now. Make it always. Make it often to be a man of integrity. Because a man of integrity who walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. A person of integrity has an adherence to moral and ethical principles when people are watching and when no one sees. A person of integrity has a sense, values honesty and diligence, dependability, being considerate and kind. That wrapped up as a man of integrity is a blessing to your children who follow you. I can speak of that firsthand when my dad died. It's hard to believe. It's 23 years ago. And uh, I remember we had a viewing in the afternoon and evening at the funeral home in Cleveland. And uh, for hours, uh, people were out the funeral home, the parlor, out the lobby, down the stairs, and around the corner and heading down the street, waiting to pay their respects. And for several hours, twice, probably two-thirds of the people, if not more, I had no idea who they were. I just smiled, and it's, it went something like this. 20 years ago, I worked with your dad. He was an amazing guy. He had incredible integrity. You should be proud of him. It went like this. Your mom and dad taught our new Christians class. 25 years ago, I, was, I wouldn't be a Christian today if it weren't for your mom and dad. I mean, person after person after person. And, and as kids, we don't think of kind of valuing upstream but I remember when it was all done, everyone was gone, a family was about to leave, I stood there in front of his casket and just kind of said, oh, Dad, I'm so proud of you. I was blessed. I was the kid who followed a man of his integrity. And so dads, stay in there with that. And let me say on all these points, there are a handful, I'm sure, they're going, ah, I blew that, could have done better at that. Let me tell you, it's never too late to start. It's never too late for a, for a change of direction. I have spent thousands of hours in, in 40 years of ministry in counseling sessions with people, and I believe God has hardwired us to want a relationship with Dad and with our Father because of nothing else, the heavenly implications of this. And, and I have found that even if things were not good and you messed up, you're still writing the biography of your kids' lives. You're helping contribute to the script of their life. And so if you're a dad where it's not been good up until now or you've made loads of mistakes, then you can, you can help by your behavior and your attitude. You turn a page and the next chapter is, but something happened from around Father's Day 2022 on and dad and our relationship began to change. So it's never too late to be a dad who offers direction, who provides discipline as necessary and decides to live that life of integrity. And since integrity also has to do with honesty, and I want to be a dad of integrity, you know the motorcycle thing wasn't me, right? 
Last time I rode a motorcycle, I was in college, and I was determined to get one. My cousin loaned me his 350 Honda, and that day ended with the bike bouncing down the road and me sliding down the road, and we came to a stop in the oncoming traffic lane. Thank God nobody was coming, and that was the last time I rode a motorcycle. So that was Dirk as my body double, so yay, Dirk, all right? <laughs> yeah, get up for Dirk. Wasn't that, wasn't the video hysterical? Oh my goodness. I've laughed every time I've watched that. It's hilarious. Finally, dad's delight. Let's go back to that verse about discipline. Because in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12, it tells us, For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as the father corrects the son in whom he delights. Son or daughter. Dads, learn to delight in your kids. That means to take pleasure, have a sense of enjoyment, to have a sense of satisfaction in your son or your daughter. And it's not performance-based. The feelings of warmth and love and valuing that you have for your son doesn't vary on the batting average of the Little League game that day. It's just because that's my boy. That's my girl. I'm their dad. Psychologists tell us that uh, the origins of self-esteem, in fact, just real quick, how is your self-esteem? You know right now, as soon as, I, as soon as I ask the question, you know. Is it a burden for you? Is it something you feel good about? Because the origins of self-esteem are largely rooted in even pre-verbal years when a child has that feeling of being observed and approved of. And when you just get that sense, you know what it's like when people are watching you, like from the condo behind you? <laughs> I had no idea that. But you know, but you know when, a, when, a, when a parent figure or someone is watching, observing you, and they're approving of you, and you get that, that just that good sense? That comes from a parent who delights in their child. Doesn't, doesn't spoil them, still disciplines, all that, but it has a sense of, I value, I love, I'm blessed to be their parent. And, and I'm convinced, again, that that applies at any age. It felt good when I was a kid. It felt good as an adult to hear my dad say, well, I'm proud of you. Good job. I'm thankful to be your dad. I love you. And so, dads, it is never too late uh, to pour that into the lives of your sons and daughters. And those of you who haven't done it, it may feel a little awkward in the beginning, but I'm here to tell you, your kids will appreciate the effort and it will go a long way and you'll get better at it and it'll just be more of a blessing. So with that, we want to pray for all the dads. You have a tall order, but God wired you to do it. It'll come somewhat natural to you and God will use you to be a blessing to your children, your children's children. That's the way he made it. So if all of our dads would stand, we want to pray a prayer for you. And then I'll ask you to remain for just a few more minutes because we, uh, we have another uh, announcement segment we want to share with you before we dismiss. And all the men, just stand with us because uh, I find that our culture is in desperate need of godly men to have a fatherly influence in the lives of our young people. And I believe one of the greatest reasons for the, the crime, the drug abuse, the hopelessness in our current generation is because so many kids are growing up without men like you to be that godly influence, to bring a sense of godly authority that's firm and fair and friendly, to, to model for them righteousness and what it is to be a godly man. But we are so thankful for you, so we want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for all the men that stand before us. 
And we pray a special blessing on them, Lord. For every father of a son, of a daughter, every grandfather, that you would give them a, a sense of value and contentment and a sense of being loved for the role that they play and the person that they are. Bless them with their sons and daughters, with their grandchildren. And Lord, for those that look back and boy, there's difficulties and struggles, or maybe it's a hard season now, we pray for restoration as well. We pray for love in these relationships, for, for a sense of joy and a sense of mutual value and respect and appreciation. And God, that every home senses your presence. For these men in general, that they will likewise uh, be that man, godly man, in the lives of not just their immediate family, but our church family, our neighborhoods, and our community. And that they will be blessed for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for all these guys. God bless you so much. Thank you very much. You can be seated. And uh, I'm going to ask my wife, Joyce, and whatever members of the board are in this service to join me on the platform um, because we want to give you an update uh, on where we're at uh, as a church. Uh, back in January, I shared with you that uh, we've been anticipating for quite some time uh, when it would be appropriate for me to hand off and Joyce and I step out of the role that we're in. Hey, babe. Side note. So I wore this yesterday, right? And, and so last night, oh, I, I left for work on around noon or so. Joyce wasn't around. And so I'm in my back prayer room during service, and Joyce came during service, and she walks in, and she has a white shirt on. <laughs> we don't dress it, and so she's like, if she had time, she'd have gone home and changed. Anyways, um, so that uh, sooner or later, I'd be handing off leadership to a new pastor. Um, I'll be 66 this fall. And uh, so we started a nationwide search uh, last fall. And uh, in May, we had a board meeting. Last week, we had a board meeting. And we, the board and advisory board came to a unanimous conclusion uh, that we did not have uh, the right candidate uh, to pass the baton to. I've told the board all along that we were not going to force a decision. Uh, so we likewise landed on a decision that uh, I'm not going to retire now for at least two more years. We're going to push that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. So, um, so Joyce and I are pleased and honored to be your pastor and pastor's wife. As no, uh, so we're ready for a new season. Uh, and yes, you've prayerfully and agreed and supported this. <laughs> she just plays hard to get. And uh, so we're, we're going to move forward. Let me, let me back up now and just explain a little bit. Um, so when you hand off an organization the size of CLC, there's a lot to consider. And it's kind of complex as well. And so for several years, we've been working toward this, um, making organizational and ministry changes. For instance, we used to be multi-campus. Those weren't going great. We, had, we ended up, instead of one church in four locations, four churches in four locations. So we launched those as individual churches a few years ago. Um, we built this and paid for it so the new pastor wouldn't have to worry about debt. Um, and we made a lot of organizational changes and staffing changes and whatnot to get ready to hand off. Uh, and so we've got a great staff. Uh, and so the last part was indeed uh, finding the candidate. 
A couple years ago, I also, if you make a good decision, make the decision good. Uh, it's good to get advice. I met with a group of business leaders uh, that I uh, friends with and mentoring. And I said, okay, I'm going to retire. What can I do in a couple years? And I did that with, with pastoral leaders as well. I'm going to retire. What can I do when I'm retired? And the pastoral group said, you know, you need to be cautious about just planning this and it's all going to happen because we've seen a lot of transitions happen where everything lined up and then it didn't go. And if you wait till you're 68 and then it doesn't happen, then you're 70, 75, 90, 100, whatever. So, um, so you want some margin in that. So we, we backed it up, all right, to I'll be 66 to now. And so the fact that um, doing due diligence, did you ever do something you never done before and it didn't quite go the way you thought? Can anybody else agree with that? That's what happened, all right? So we have and will learn a lot, but now that we, we have the margin, so to bump it out to 68 is just our original timetable. If it's beyond that, God will tell us. So that's where we are. And so uh, we're excited for what's ahead. Uh, it is not coast time. Um, it's been really hard for me uh, and us to be on kind of pause, you know, because it's like, well, you know, wait for the new guy, wait for the new guy, wait for the new guy. Well, here be the new guy. So... Um, <laughs> So, God Size Vision, GSV, it's a seven-year run, so it's time for the third one. So, we're going to do a GSV 3.0 this fall. So, here's what I'm asking you. Um, the next two First Wednesday prayer services are essential. We always pray about the God Size Vision. In the first Wednesday of July, the first Wednesday of August, we are praying about the God Size Vision. I want you to be asking God, what do you want us to do in our Jerusalem? right here and where we live, in our Judea, church planting, in our Samaria, as far as cross-cultural, inner city, and the uttermost parts. Because we're going to ask you for some prayerful input as well as we put that together. So great things are in store and ahead of us. And so uh, we had different board members each service, and I think Glenn is going to pray for us now. Pray for me and Joyce. Uh, it is an honor to serve at CLC. Uh, but also pray for our church as a whole, because we believe, heard a couple years ago, our best is yet to come. That's still true. So would you stand with us? And then if we pray, you can go have a bunch of dad fun. And as you stand, I'm going to ask that you extend your hands toward Pastor Stan and Joyce. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the joy that's in this house today, Lord. We thank you for his years of service that are behind us, and we thank you in advance for the years that are ahead. And Father, he is like a father to the house of CLC to so many. We thank you for Joyce who comes alongside him and smooths the rough edges, offers her words of wisdom that we as a board have heard so often and so many times. We thank you that they are unified in this decision to continue to serve. And we thank you, Lord, uh, for your timing because it's not our timing. And we do know and we firmly believe that the best is yet to come. We thank you, Lord, for a spirit of unity in the house of God. We thank you, Lord, for servants' hearts that they have, God. We know, Lord, that all that they have given will be returned to them a hundredfold. And when their season of serving is finally over, we believe that you will say, well done, thy good and faithful servants. And everybody in CLC yelled a thunderous amen, amen, and amen. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. God bless.